What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the SoCo Show. It's episode number 184. This, of course, is the voice of the co-host, Cody Michael. I'm joined, as always, by the SoHost, Seth Ott. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, indeed. We are pumped for this week's episode. We'll tell you why in just a second. First, we got to bring in the bro host. At Jared Buckendall. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Jared, less excited. Uh, I don't quite know why. We we are going to have a lot of really fun stuff today, um, but the biggest thing is we've got a special guest on the show today. I am really fucking stoked about this one. Um, This is an individual that we've known for a long time, uh, and uh, it's been exciting to kind of see where all of our paths are taking us, so we'll do a little bit of catching up, and uh, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. So the guy we're about to bring on, some of you guys will have known in the past as DJ Click and Play. Um, Some of you know him as JT Energy now. Um, As a pro wrestler, he has appeared on Monday Night Raw. He's also part of the 3XW, SCW, and CEW promotions right now. Um, he is known as Mr. Two Belts, One Cup. We're going to get an explanation on that, I think. Uh, I hope. <laughs> uh, he's also the Michael Jordan of Misting. He's got the six-star booty. Currently the 3XW champ, the SCW Pro Quad City Cup champ, and the CEW heavyweight champ. But we know him as Travis Horn, so let's bring him on here. Travis, it's amazing to have you on, man. Welcome to the show. Oh, man, you play pony and I get all excited <laughs> and I, I got to chill out and not move my body and I got to talk to you. So I appreciate that intro. That was really good. I always get really excited to see how people are going to uh, engage me with their audiences. And that was a that was a beautiful introduction, sir. I, I applaud you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad you liked it. I probably should have had Seth drop it ring announcer style. I, I don't have yeah. exactly... I don't have, I'm more Jillian than I am, uh, you know, any of the male ring announcers. So I don't think I was going to be able to drop the bass on it, but uh, glad you enjoyed it. You have a lengthy resume, my friend. Holy cow. Uh, I try to make it feel like I have a lengthy resume for what I've done so far. So I appreciate that. Um, I just try to stay busy and try to make sure that I don't find a way to become complacent when it comes to professional wrestling and chasing my goals. Uh, so it, it, I like to make, people feel like I'm extremely busy. Even if I don't think I'm really busy, I try to put a lot of content out for anyone and everyone who follows me. So that way they always feel like they're watching my career progress through Mm -hmm. my different uh, promotions I work for and the different matches I go through. And most importantly, the different stories that I'm trying to tell at all the places that I'm working. So I try to stay as busy as possible. And if I'm not busy, I find a way to make myself busy. I like it. I think that's something we can empathize with. Uh, Certainly, I know with Jared, we've talked about that a lot in the past. And it's been really cool for us to kind of be able to keep tabs through social media on your career. And we'll we'll get into it more um, as, as we go on here. But getting to kind of see what you've been up to and see the different accomplishments you had has been really exciting for us to see from afar. So I'm excited to dive in a little bit more and get to know um, a little bit more about what's been happening with you. Um, But we've got a couple of segments that we're going to run through before we get to, uh, we'll put you in Kyle's court uh, in a little while here. So uh, Seth, I don't don't want to hesitate at all. I want to get straight to that shit as soon as possible. So uh, we better get fired up here with a little bit of titillating topic. Titillating. We're going to boot up a couple of the uh, 
we're going to boot up the titillator and pull up a couple topics here. Um, it'll be five topics, and we'll we'll discuss maybe a few of them here. Um, whenever you're ready, Cody, let's let's hit the titillator. Ramp it up. All right, here we go. The titillator is revved up. We got five topics. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have vegetables. Again? Vanilla, I guess. Vanilla. Oil. Meteorology. I'm shocked I got that out. And gold. I love gold. Man, gold. Um. Okay. I. I. I want to talk about vanilla. So I was curious the other day. This. Okay. This is ice cream and vanilla. I'm. I'm. I'm hungry right now. I need some sweets in my life and whatnot. So what is the standard ice cream flavor when someone says, "Hey, do you want some ice cream?" Like, what do you resort to? Like. So is the question what. Like, what's the go-to ice, my, my go-to ice cream, or like, what's the most basic ice cream? When someone says, hey, I'm going to go get some ice cream, or hey, do you want me to go get you some ice cream, and they don't ask what kind or whatever, like, what what, what comes to your mind, I guess? Because it's, mm. to me, it's vanilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I also think I might drop that friend if they're going to walk away and not ask me what kind of ice cream exactly. I want. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't appreciate you leaving and thinking for me and telling me what kind of ice cream you think I should have without maybe even asking my preferences on, oh, maybe I would like some sherbet instead of ice cream. <laughs> but that's a whole different rabbit hole. But I would think uh, when you talk about the topic of ice cream and someone just says, oh, like what kind of ice cream pops into your head right away? I think, yeah, you'll have that basic vanilla that's going to pop up there, but it also depends on your personal preference. And so when you say the word ice cream, I'm already thinking my favorite kind of ice cream in my head. And mm-hmm. I, we probably all have a different like immediate go-to that makes mm-hmm. our, our our glands start just producing and getting, <laughs> get, get, getting excited for some, some tasty treats. Some tasty <laughs> treats indeed. Well, okay, I'm, I'm actually... Actually, Cody, yeah, what, what kind is yours? Because I, I have another question after this. Okay, so I, 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 think the, I think I think of vanilla ice cream just right off the bat because it's like the base for, for like any jumping off to other ice cream products, like a, like a Blizzard most typically has vanilla, a Sunday most typically has vanilla. So I think that's why I think of it. But I am very passionate about this, and I want to make sure it gets said. Vanilla is not just the base for adding shit to. I, I get in a lot of arguments about this. Vanilla is, I say, it is a worthwhile flavor on its own and doesn't need a bunch of other stuff. But I stuff. run into a lot of people that don't think that that's the case and I get in a lot of fights about it. Yeah, so yeah, I do think of stuff. vanilla because one, I love it, but also because you can put a bunch of other stuff on it. So you'll just eat a plain bowl of vanilla ice cream? <laughs> he will. <laughs> oh no, you gotta it put gets, something it in It gets there. my glands going, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, vanilla is the one that comes to mind, I think. But, I mean, it's not the one that comes to my mind immediately. Mine is immediately a, a peanut butter cup blizzard of chocolate ice cream from Dairy Queen. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, and when you and when you told me that that one time, I was like, why are you putting chocolate in with peanut butter? You don't do that. No, it's yes, standard. You do. A blizzard is strictly vanilla and with some sort of toppings. You don't mix in, you know, with the, with the chocolate. You got to think outside the box, Jared. All right, when you're when you're living in the world of ice cream, you got to think outside the box. Yeah, that's and true. I live Jerry in Queen the world slogan. of ice cream quite often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seth has property in the world of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, Cody, you kind of said something about you know like vanilla ice cream. That's like the standard, the base, whatever. Is that the standard ice cream? Like, what does norm? What what does just ice cream taste like? Or is it vanilla? 
I think you can have ice cream without vanilla flavor. Then what is it? But it's frozen. Milk. I don't. I think it's just it's just cream. <laughs> yeah, it's like cream flavored. But the 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 vanilla is the vanilla is an added flavor. Like you 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 put vanilla into ice cream to make vanilla ice cream. It, it, it doesn't just come out vanilla. I don't yeah. think a lot of people realize that or think about it because there's also different types of vanilla. There's vanilla bean. There's French vanilla. Um, there's oh, more great. that I'm not oh, able wee to wee. think of right now. Cody, Cody's down, going down so, the rabbit hole of vanilla ice cream. So we're going to be here all day. Dude, I, when I tell you I am passionate about this, I wasn't going to start with vanilla because I know how I can get when it comes to this. But like, <laughs> there, there, is, there is ice cream without any flavor. And then there's vanilla ice cream. And those are two different things. And I don't think that's something that a lot of people realize. And I'm, I, I, have, I have a strong opinion on that, as you can maybe tell. Is is there ice cream at the store that's just ice cream? <laughs> oh, I don't think Jared's so. This is breaking my ice. I am because I'm like, okay, so standard ice cream is vanilla, but what is Oh my gosh, I can't right now. I can't. I really I really want you to go to the store and stand in the ice cream aisle and wait for help and when someone asks what you're looking for, just say ice cream and when they say what kind, you say no, not what kind, just ice cream. Ice cream. The, the, just say the base and <laughs> yeah. see and see how they react. This is what's going to happen, Travis. They're they're going to open. They're going to be like, come this way and show me like a hidden part of the store that only select <laughs> shoppers get to go to. I am now part of the 1% of the ice cream snobs out there. <laughs> There's a hidden door in the freezer. Yeah. <laughs> ah, it's glowing, <laughs> glowing light coming out of it. If that's the secret to like getting the to the beyond section of Bed Bath & Beyond, then like I'm about to go over to that bitch because I need to know. I, I did a quick Google on this, um, and it says that you pretty much can't actually get unflavored ice cream. Like, just because of the way it's made, you would typically add whatever flavor you want it to be while you made it. Um, but it is possible, and it's just like milk, cream, sugar. You know, it will be very vaguely. Honestly, that's how I think, like, Dairy Queen ice cream tastes, but I know that they call theirs vanilla. Um so I don't know, but yeah, I did a Google for flavorless ice cream. A lot of people apparently are asking this question. I do not see a lot of answers here, so we may need to keep hunting. <laughs> we need the answers. Ju- the jury's still out on that one. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But if anyone wants... Th- here's the thing. I think a lot of people talk shit about vanilla ice cream. They think it's boring, and they think... And and I, I just want people to know that I will, you know, fight you, if that's what you think. Like, I will defend... The honor of vanilla ice cream. I've I've been Seth knows. I've been passionate about this for a very long time. I was I used to work in ice cream. Uh, I'm a bit of an ice cream man myself. <laughs> a sticky job, <laughs> and so huh? I've, oh, I have, it was it was very sticky and even more creamy. I'll tell you that. Oh no, <laughs> I am the cream. <laughs> I I have to say that if you're going to think of something that's related to vanilla, I don't know any chocolate peanut butter wrappers, but I do know a vanilla ice. And exactly. He kind, of, he kind of took it to the top and set the pinnacle for why we think of certain things at such a high level. And if DMX thought there was a better ice cream flavor, he would have named himself after that. But we are where we are. <laughs> See, this yeah. man's just dropping exactly facts right. right now. Yeah. And I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I know it's a controversial uh, thing to say. I think vanilla ice... I think his lyrics have the most flavor out of anyone. And so I think I think that comes from his name. I, I, I stand by that. Yeah, Fla- Flavor Flav tried to stand up to him and it just didn't mm-hmm. work. Nope, nope. Yeah, no, boy. 
Although I would love to see a flavor flavors vanilla ice rap battle. I would I would pay to see that today. I'm surprised that the two of them haven't teamed up and had like started a ice cream, you know, flavor ice. Yeah, or something. Flavor ice. That's the rap. They could group. just be called Blizzard. <laughs> or Sunday. I mean, Flavor Flav tried to have his own, uh, what was it, a chicken, a roasted chicken establishment. Oh, yeah, he did. So, so I don't know why Vanilla Ice wouldn't just buy stock somehow to get a half ice cream shop, half chicken shop going. Oh, shit. And you could really have a savory and a sweet taste there. And I'm sure you Hell could make yeah. some crazy concoctions with some chicken and waffles with some vanilla ice cream. And then get iced tea involved. He can sell some iced tea. Oh my Perfect. gosh, we oh are God. just starting corporations right now. Yeah, we, we're the next, anyone we're with the a pen out there is getting Bell. free business ideas. Yeah, this is awesome. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because um, I've been to when when it was open. I, I ate at Flav's Fried Chicken once, Ooh. and um, we had to drive a long ways. Um, and I don't remember where it was in Southeast Iowa. Clinton. I think. Um, it might have been Clinton. Yeah, that that does sound like it was memory. it. Yep, it is. I'm looking and, it up uh, right now. <laughs> Why do I remember? I don't that? really remember. I can tell you, I don't really remember much about the chicken. Um, but this also connects to something that we've been, we've talked about on this show a few weeks back. There is a um, Travis. You'll have to search for this uh, later on if you want to take a look at it. But there is there is a company that makes ice cream that looks like fried chicken, mm-hmm. <laughs> and. It's 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 exactly how it sounds. It's like you it, a picture of it looks like a fucking drumstick, like a chicken drumstick that's breaded and everything, but it's vanilla ice cream with like crummies on the outside and it's ice cream that looks like chicken. I think that's something that Flavor Flav and Vanilla Ice could maybe combine mm. their powers on. I think that would make a lot are of they, sense. Are they are they ice that. are they ice cream bars? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're it's like, like it's like ice cream coated in like a crunchy uh, some sort of stuff. Fr- flakes, like corn flakes, I think. Um, I also that would make a lot of money if someone would do it, but if they did it like chicken nugget style, like mm. little Ooh. bits little bits of ice cream and especially if you had your little dipping sauces that people are all uh, antsy about. And, oh Ooh. yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Now Ooh, you're onto a whole new thing there. Cause I know you, the the fried chicken thing too, they have so it's like out the outside is flakes, inside's vanilla ice cream, and then the bones are like little pieces of chocolate. So it looks like oh, fried wow. chicken when you're eating it. Dang. Yeah, we're we've been. Uh, yeah, we're uh, one of the things we're trying to do for the show is to order some. It's like a hundred bucks to get like eight pieces of the shit. Oh my um, god! And so we're gonna order some and have a taste test on a future episode of the show, and we are very excited about it. We talk about it almost weekly. Uh, <laughs> which that's about how exciting our shit is. Is we're talking about ice cream we're gonna eat in a few months. <laughs> oh my god! Well, uh, I think we're properly titillated here, Chef. Uh, we pulled vanilla out of the hat and um, got to uh, share our ice cream takes. So I think we can put the titillator to rest here, put it in sleep mode, and we'll bring it back out next week. Titillating topics. <laughs> well, uh, let's let's reach out to our favorite WWE legend and see what's going on in the Sheik's world. Uh, time for some Sheik tweets. I call you a punk. Oh, Sheiky baby, uh, he's he's back at it again on the old Twitter. Um, I think he's saying something here that all of us really are feeling right now. I mean, uh, the. About a year ago, the world went into a, you know some crazy times, and things are starting to get better. We're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but Iron Sheik, 
he's he's having a little uh, a little trouble uh, holding on and and just waiting it out a little bit longer. He says, "I can't wait for things to get back to normal so I can suplex all the jabronis." <laughs> I gotta tell you, I'm excited for him to get back to that too because I want to see I want to see the Sheik making some dudes humble. That that's uh, out of all the things that are gonna happen post quarantine, maybe the thing I'm most looking forward to. Sheiky baby coming at us with the optimism. That's Sheik tweets. I call you a punk. Alrighty, let's shout out our sponsors here. First of all, audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Hit the link in the description box. You're going to get 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. Free! We have Mathis Designs. Go friend our good friend Steph at mathisdesigns.com for all your stationery and graphic design needs or to commission a piece of your own. Get that piece. Get that piece. If you want a piece of Mike's wood... Head over to etsy.com slash shop slash cornfed and wed to get your woodworked. Oh, Mike. We've got next uh, over on the Spotify Friday after class. That's NPA and Jack on the weekends. Those are our rap pals Um, coming soon. Very soon. We're going to have the release of Glizzy's for breakfast featuring. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So going back to last week's show, we decided as a group uh, and with the audience's help that my rap name is going to be Lil C-Man. And so um, we've got, uh, yeah, I made a mess out of that track. And that's going to be released um, pretty soon on Spotify. So I I don't have that date yet, but uh, hit the link in the description box to FAC's Spotify page so that you can be uh, on the on the pulse when that drops uh, so that you can help us make that one a hit. Glizzy's for Breakfast coming out soon from Friday after class. What? (laughs) Um, NPA from FAC is also teamed up with our very own JB. That's a lot of acronyms. Yeah. Um, And (laughs) the two guys together (laughs) are Room 56 Studios. So if you need any assistance taking your creative idea and making it a reality, um, the guys can help you with graphic design, sound uh, sound editing, video editing, anything like that to, uh, again, take your creative idea and make it a reality. Head over to room56studios.com and get in touch with the guys, see what they can put together for you. Waka waka. Uh, last but certainly not least, we have Anchor. Uh, Anchor hosts this podcast uh, and many others. And so let's go to a quick pre-recorded ad for them. Dope. All right, that's it for Anchor. Uh, Anchor page, of course, you can link to our personal Anchor page in the description box. Um, It's the place where you can do two major things for us. One is leave us voice messages. So if you go over there, click to record your voice, and you may hear it played right here on the SoCo Show in a future episode. If you got a hot take, if you got a question, if you got a bet that needs settled, um, send us some voicemail, and uh, we'll play it here on the show and address whatever it is. Also, Anchor is the place where you can become an Anchor contributor, or as we like to call them, Anchor Wankers. Wanker. The Wankers have decided to contribute to this show, a dollar, two bucks, five bucks, on a monthly basis to help us keep things going and growing. So we use that money for things like new equipment, new software, um, all of that stuff that goes into keeping this podcast going. We're also really excited. Um, It's going to be a little bit before we can start announcing some things, but we've got some really cool ideas in the works um, for 2021. So big shout out to all of our existing anchors, anchor wankers, uh, for helping us make that stuff happen. If you want to become a wanker, again, click on the link to our description page and uh, we'll take a shot in your honor at our very next live show, um, which 
as I'm just remembering, we haven't scheduled yet, but we'll have that date out to you soon um, for our March live show over there on J Buck Studios YouTube page. At Jared Buckendall. All right. I think that's it for sponsors. Um, I'm certain that's it for sponsors. So let's keep things rolling here. Seth, we need you to bust out the newspaper here. We're going to take a look at some headlines for news or nonsense. News or nonsense. News or nonsense. <laughs> Shouts out to Donnie Thornberry on the track there. <laughs> All righty then. All right. News this week pulled pulled three headlines. You guys got to guess whether this is news or the, these headlines are news or nonsense. The theme this week, since we have, we're having Travis on, um, DJ Click and Play, is dancing. Ooh. So all these will have a dance-related like headline. All right. I like that. First story. Headline. Strange plague described as dancing mania strikes Germany. Is this news or nonsense? Dancing mania. It's a plague? Mm-hmm. Is that how you refer to it? Mm-hmm. Strange plague. What do you guys think? I mean, I have seen the movie Footloose, <laughs> and this uh, this might have similarities. Is this what they were warning against in yeah. Footloose? If I you think it was. dancing in their town? Yeah. Oof. The dancing <laughs> epidemic. I'm going to say that this is uh, nonsense because I don't feel like... Um, <clears throat> Wait, what? you said it was a plague? Strange plague described yeah, as dancing no. mania strikes. If Germany. it was an epidemic, it'd be different because it'd be some sort of like back, like there'd be exercise benefits. No, this is definitely nonsense. See, I, I don't know. Uh, I feel like Germans really like to dance, and I don't know what. The, I feel like this is like creative wording for something that's just like a viral TikTok video or something. Um, I don't know. I get a feeling on this one. I'm gonna say it's. I, I think this is real. I think it's news. Which means, uh, Travis, we need you as a tiebreak here. What do you think? Mm, I feel like I have to go with the reasoning on the words that Jared pointed out, and I am going to say nonsense as well. Thank you. Okay. Thank right, you. We have thank two you. nonsenses and a news. Cody, hit the drum roll. This is news. What? Yeah. How? So, I knew it. <laughs> it occurred in 1518. That's I, I won't oh, go with that. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> but it was a headline I saw. <laughs> wow. How, wait, hold on. 15 whatever. How'd they even have news back then? Uh, it's recorded. They had, pen, they had pens. They could write things. There was like five people dancing, and one person freaked <laughs> out and ran to the next town, and they started playing telephone. And by yep. the time it got 10... We got 10 towns over. They were talking about how everyone was losing their minds and dancing till they died. <laughs> sounds like no, Travis I was there. <laughs> I, if, I, if I know one thing, it's my 1518s. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, the good old 1518s. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This might have been, Travis, this might have been, I don't know if you have any German ancestry. This might have been, maybe there was like a 1518, like, uh, dance party and, like, DJ Bartholomew cl- click and play the fourth, <laughs> like just fired up the dope beats and got everyone going. And that's, that's, that was misconstrued as a sickness. I think that could have been it. 
Yeah, he probably had like one of his limbs didn't work all that well, so it did click when he moved. And people were like, <laughs> yeah. okay, just let him play by himself. It's fine. <laughs> so people called him click and play black back in the day. It's just because it's how his body worked. They couldn't, they could, they, it was a different time. But the clicks did make a really nice sound beat sound. So oh yeah, people got down to that. If he if he started to jog, you could dance next to him and you could keep the beat. <laughs> oh my god, that's good. I love it. So uh, well, I guess you know I am kind of the best at this game. I don't think a lot of people are surprised uh, that I got the first one. But maybe you guys can catch up. I, I I don't want to talk about that. I'm not right now. So. Uh, <laughs> after we talk about news from 1519. Let's live in the present, Seth. Okay. These, these, these next two are present. Hit the music. Ooh. Oh, wow. What's oh, wow. going on with this that? Is, this is later in the... This is more exciting. Holy fuck. So. Man, is Tom Cruise going to jump through and <laughs> give the news? Jesus. Some heavy metal news music. All right. Breaking news. Nightclub in Florida sues DJ over Nickelback-only playlist. Is this news or nonsense? Mm. I'm coming out quickly as nonsense because who wouldn't be stoked about a Nickelback-only playlist? <laughs> I, I don't know why someone would be upset in sue. So I say this is oh. nonsense just because who, who the fuck would be upset by this? I don't know. Oh, I am completely on the opposite side here. This is 100% <laughs> news because the hatred that flows when you say... Nickelback or that that opening a photograph plays that meme like there's this culture that hates Nickelback so I could see this definitely being news no I'm pretty positive this has to be nonsense because if I walked into that club I would be like look at that DJ playing those songs for me and there's, if anyone around me had was raising a fuss at all, I would just fling my Chad Kroger curls and I would go and <laughs> escort him out of the building. No one should be mad it's, at I, that. Exactly, right? It's it's just the maybe the most fire playlist of all time. And I don't even call things fire because it makes me sound old. So wait, I think hold so. on. Can we can we reel back? Was it was it a dance club? Nightclub. Ooh. Does does a country nightclub, is that a thing or is that a country bar? I mean, hmm. I think you could have a country nightclub. Oh, you know what? I've been to country nightclubs. They're actually kind of fun. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm still sticking with my answer. Well, so we have, we have a news and two nonsenses. I think so, Chef. All right, let's hit the hit the drum roll. <laughs> this is nonsense. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> How? <laughs> How did Seth make up that people don't like Nickelback? I, yes. I feel like that's not too much of a stretch. <laughs> I like Nickelback. I just, uh, it, it's a it's a pretty typical, I'm trying to stump you guys. It's a pretty typical band that people don't like, so. I just, I know people out there hate Nickelback. I'm going to defend Nickelback like I'll defend Nickel, uh, vanilla ice cream. Like Nickel it, Front. <laughs> well let's be clear <laughs> oh yikes i, oh, I would much prefer the nickel front to the, <laughs> for, for for what it's worth unless it's my anniversary uh then. oh oh my god oh, oh no. that's nasty sorry about that one shouldn't have said that um 
No, I just think people who like want to hate Nickelback, I like I would I would sit them I would sit them down and I would say, I'm gonna play you the ten best Nickelback songs, and if you don't tap your foot, then you actually hate Nickelback. But I think most people would agree that Nickelback has at least a few just absolute fucking bangers. You remind me? Is it you remind me? Is yeah, that the you one? Remind me. Um yep. that one, I don't know how you're not gonna just fucking rage when that shit comes out. Like if you cannot be into that song, then I will grant you that you hate Nickelback. But I think more people just want to be cool, and that's why they say they don't like them. This just in. The New York dance team practices in front of studio after dispute with landlord. Is this news or nonsense? Hmm. So they... They're in a dispute with the person who owns the building, so they're just practicing out front. <laughs> That's correct. I love this. This is a baller move. I'm, I'm just my Scooby Doo sniffer has been not wrong yet, and my immediate thought was news. I think this is legit. I think this is something people would do. With me being down in points, I, I mean, I might have to just follow your lead, no matter what I'm thinking here. Can you repeat it again? Sure can. Please. New York dance team practices in front of studio after dispute with landlord. So they dance in front of studio, and mind you, these news stories can be any. Yeah, this is this is news. I agree. If I know a dancer's mentality, and we went and we needed to practice, and the building wasn't open, practice is going to happen outside that <laughs> building if we all show up or not. Yep. All right. I think we got a Hit clean that. sweep here, chef. Hit that drum roll. <laughs> Did you fucking really get us? This is nonsense. Wow. Music, music. Ah, you got us good with that one. That's we were all sold. Holy yeah. shit. All right, all right, fine. You win this round, Ot. But I got I two do. out of three, so that makes me the champ. For three for the win, yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! I'd like to thank Nickelback. Um, I think they inspire me every day to be good at that game. <laughs> Travis has heard like 3,000 sounders already, and he's like, what the fuck is going on in the show? <laughs> yeah, your fucking soundboard is very impressive. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad you think so. There's there's some there's some gems in here that uh, that I hope we get to at some point in the show um, that are pretty fun here. So, um, but for now, I think Seth, is that it? That's all the headlines, right? That's all the headlines. Well, I guess you only I already, get three. I already named myself the winner. All right. Well, we'll be back next weekend. See if someone can knock me off the top here. But uh, I remain the champ at news or nonsense. News or nonsense. News or nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so that's news or nonsense. Uh, we are going to get into uh, really the main kind of interview portion of the show. We're going to take DJ Click and Play slash JT Energy slash Travis Horn, and we're going to put him here in Kyle's court. All right, Travis, we won't make you swear an oath. You don't have to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, but... 
I we demand it. Lobbing a bunch of questions at you. Yeah, JB re- uh, demands the truth, so you're gonna have to deal with him if you lie to us. <laughs> but um, in the in the words of know, a you're... very famous man, I don't know if he can handle the truth. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I fucking love it, man. What question do you have for Travis? I was thinking back. I think the last time I, I maybe Cody, both Cody and I saw you, or maybe just me, was when we went to Raw. We went to Monday Night Raw, like. Four or five years ago, something like that. It was leading up to, was it WrestleMania 32? Was it WrestleMania 31? And that's 31. the and that's the night that Sting made his debut on. Yes, Raw? yes, yes. Okay, yeah. That, yep, because I got a high five from Sting, and that was awesome. Oh <laughs> shit! <laughs> so I think that's the last time I know for sure that I saw you. Um, I guess we saw you very briefly at NXT. Um, but it was just like a, Hey, how are you doing? Bye type thing. Yeah. Um, I obviously like since then you've done a whole lot. <laughs> and at that point that was before your journey in wrestling even started. So from that point, I kind of just wanted to hear more about your start and like how you got into it and how kind of your experience was getting into, cause you went to the black and brave Academy. Um, how, how that, process was going and in, going into the to wrestling school um and what kind of was that jump off point for you uh so the cool thing is the moment that you referenced that monday night raw like we're very very close to the super close to the time in my life that actually completely almost flipped my flipped my mind like 180 degrees <laughs> to realized that it was time to really do something instead of thinking about something. So I'll tell you a little bit about like the whole surrounding of how I kind of had that epiphany of how it was time to chase this dream. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so that way I didn't have a what if, um, that I might regret someday. Mm -hmm. So I got tickets, um, that, Christmas to go to WrestleMania. Um, and that was WrestleMania 31 and myself, I I had two tickets. I got to take a person of my choosing. So I chose my friend D, um, because he was one of my best friends and he loved wrestling just as much as I did. So one of the best parts about getting that gift was the fact that the excitement that I felt when I saw the tickets in front of my face is I knew I got to give it to someone else and see the exact same reaction. Mm. So it's like winning the lottery and then you get to turn to your friend and say, you also win the lottery. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you, I remember that you, uh, I remember that happening with you getting the the tickets and everything. And I know I'm speaking for myself, but Cody too, at the time we were both insanely jealous. You were there. (laughs) Oh yeah. And so like the whole, um, thing around it was here's the tickets all you have to do is figure out how to get there so like buy your own plane ticket buy a hotel for one night and that's really what it was it's like we flew in we were there for uh the day before and then the day of and then we woke up the day after wrestlemania at like five in the morning to catch our six thirty flight or wherever the hell it was <laughs> and it, we were back and it was over in a flash but that's crazy yeah and so 
with the influx of fans that were coming there, it's just like from the moment that you get on the plane, you're already in wrestling mode. You have your t-shirt on or whatever. Like you're trying to, uh, whether you've made it a WrestleMania weekend or not, you're in full on like WrestleMania starts now. I know Mm -hmm. it's, I know it's days away, but so when we got there, like we had our hotel, um, and we, we went down the day before and we got, I think we got a little bit too much sun because we were just enjoying the California weather Mm-hmm. And we bought some souvenirs at the souvenir shop. And like that night we went and got some, some pizza that was like way too expensive. And it was, <laughs> it was way too much for us to even attempt to eat in one night. <laughs> and I always get so mad because I know how much fucking pizza we left and how much we paid for it. <laughs> and I'm so mad at that still, but so we wake up and we go to WrestleMania the next day and I I don't feel good. Like I feel physically ill and mm-hmm. I'm just like, I will, I'll shake this off. And I know it's because I had to have gotten too much sun. And then I ate that fucking gross ass pizza <laughs> that sat that sat inside me. And I was so jacked up for WrestleMania. I was probably like dehydrated as well. Or I chugged a Red Bull or fucking three of them. So we get there and the first thing I do when we get into WrestleMania and I look at this stadium that holds 76,000 people is I go to the fucking bathroom and I puke my guts out. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) That is how my WrestleMania started. So I'm sitting there in line and I'm like, here it is. Here it is. And like my WrestleMania hopes are being sucked out of my soul as I'm throwing up this expensive pizza. And like my worst fear was that we all just got let into the stadium and that someone was like going to go outside and find a security officer and be like, this guy's fucking drunk and he's throwing up in the bathroom and it's blah, blah. (laughs) And I, in my head, I'm like, I'm so screwed. Like my WrestleMania is ruined, (laughs) but, but I somehow kind of pulled myself together. So like I had some water, I chilled, we went to our seats and thank God, that year wrestlemania so it's in this big stadium and the side that we were sitting on was in the shit it was in the shade the (laughs) whole time if if i would have been on the other side of that stadium i would have been gone i would have been roasted um so once like the big countdown to wrestlemania started and all the fireworks started going off like my body shot so much adrenaline into me that I was good. I was a hundred percent like <laughs> from, from the first person you see walk out from when they sing America, the beautiful, like all these things started happening just one after another. And it's all these huge moments and all these huge entrances and everything is just overtaking me. And not only do I get to see it, but I'm like watching D out of the corner of my eye react to things that he's getting to see. And <laughs> when uh, the rocks music hit, he lost oh, his fucking oh. mind. <laughs> we actually, I remember when he came out because Cody and I were on the couch, and the first thing Cody said was like, "Fucking Travis gets to see it. That's so awesome." <laughs> I, I think when the Rocks music hit, that was the biggest pop of the night. I felt like I was a dad sitting next to a kid, and the kid like grabbed my shoulder and was like, what the fuck, what the fuck? 
like so during that night watching him react to the rock come out and then also when sting uh fought triple h and mm-hmm. the the nwo came out like it was this <laughs> this epic moment of everything coming together and so fast forward of course wrestlemania 31 in my eyes is one of the greatest wrestlemanias of all time uh because of such a stacked card and how different it was in so many ways but Mm -hmm. the thing it came down to that night was the main event and the main event was brock lesnar versus roman reigns and nobody in that stadium wanted roman reigns to win (laughs) except maybe a couple kids and his dad down in the front row So I'm excited because it's this huge match feel and Brock is just beating the piss out of Roman and Roman, (laughs) he's bleeding and he's smiling and Brock just keeps hitting him harder and harder. And then Brock gets busted open and there's all kinds of lovely blood going on. (laughs) And it's, it, it did have this really big main event feel. And even if it would have only been those two, it felt really epic. But the fact that you realize that, Seth still had the money in the bank contract and when uh, I think Brock hit an F5 and they were both down and Seth's music hit like you could feel the energy in that whole place just like everyone <laughs> everyone got goosebumps at the same time mm-hmm. and I'm getting knew, I'm just hearing about it <laughs> yeah. so you knew something was crazy and like the video they always play in the WWE packages where they show the cameraman behind him as he's sprinting to the ring, like does it Mm -hmm. for me every time, because you can see in his body language, how anxious he is to get down there on that really long ramp. Yeah. And when he gets in there and is like screaming to ring the bell and then he slows it down to like milliseconds because he's now that the bell rings and it becomes a triple threat match he is creeping and making every movement of his body matter because you went from like this insanity of a hundred miles an hour to like creeping along. Mm -hmm. And it was beautiful because you only needed a couple things to happen to tell the story the way it needed to be told. And when, uh, Brock had Roman up on his shoulders for the F five, uh, or Roman had, uh, Seth up on his shoulders for the F five. And then Roman hits the spear and it throws him off and he's able to give the curb stomp and the fact that Seth pinned Roman for the one, two, three and Brock was the champion, but you had the the two shield members uh, that were in the match. That was the finale. And because it happens so abruptly and so quickly. And then when he is handed the championship for the first time and you just see his face and his eyes and the way he's genuinely reacting and everyone in, Uh, the whole stadium is kind of losing their minds because that's not what they thought was going to happen. That's not how they played it out. Because earlier in the night, Seth already had a WrestleMania moment when he took one of the best RKO's of all time (laughs) from Randy Orton. Easily number one. Oh, man. (laughs) Absolutely. So you already have this huge moment from earlier in the night with Mm -hmm. Seth and how, uh, how great a match him and Randy had and how they already left you with a moment in your mind that the night had winded down to Brock and Roman's thing. And you've never had a cash in in the middle of a match. You, of course, could think that after the match was over, you could have a cash in. But the fact that it happened in the middle of the match in the main event of WrestleMania took things to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. And so when Seth left the ring and he goes to the top of the ramp and 
he holds the belt over his head and the fireworks start going off and he's whipping the title around his head just like he used to do on the independent circuits that was the moment where like everything slowed down for me like uh in time and i like looked around and i realized where i was and what i was doing and i kind of just looked down at him and was like so that guy is from Davenport, Iowa. <laughs> he is from he is from three hours from where I currently live, and he is the champion at the end of WrestleMania. And what am I doing if I've said I wanted to be a pro wrestler my whole life and I haven't taken one step for it? But a guy that was born and raised three hours from where I live has accomplished the dream of dreams, and that's where it just like the whole ball in my mind started rolling like why wouldn't i do it like what's the worst that could happen like so the next like so we leave wrestlemania uh that night and of course we're both on cloud nine and our <laughs> they had these like uh tram systems that you could get on but of, of course, like 76,000 people are trying to leave and they're trying to yeah. they're, they're trying to ride these things. And every time I look at one stop, I'm like, nah, it's so full. Like, let's just walk a little more. We'll get on one eventually. No, we didn't get on one eventually. We walked for two hours straight all the way back to our hotel, just using GPS on our maps. So mm -hmm. we like we like get back to the hotel from walking for two hours at I don't know, maybe midnight or something like that. And then we have to get up in like three or four hours to get ready to get on a flight and get out of there. <laughs> it, was, it was just like this utter insanity that the whole way back, walking back to our hotel, it gave us time to re, we talked to each other the whole time about WrestleMania and everything that we saw. So that way, by the time that we got back and we're ready to go to bed, we somehow had gotten most of that energy out of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> But that's kind of my WrestleMania story of seeing that moment and realizing this is it. This is this is my aha moment that when people ask me, hey, what sparked that moment that you knew you wanted to become a professional wrestler? Because I've loved professional wrestling my entire life. But that moment specifically is when I felt a direct connection with the guy that would become he would become my trainer when I found mm -hmm. the black and brave wrestling Academy. And I thought to myself, I, if I can apply to a place that's only a couple hours away, mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to put the money down. I'm going to take a chance in life because I've been playing it safe and I've been being complacent with everything that I felt was safe and secure. And it, it was a crazy thing to be able to fill something out online submit an application and then get something back saying that you were accepted because the moment that you're accepted into the wrestling academy now shit's real because mm -hmm. you you don't want to be a bitch and back out of something <laughs> mm -hmm. when you when you've taken this huge step or not really taken a huge step you've been given a huge opportunity yes you paid for it and yes you could have not been accepted but from the moment that someone says that they do want to move forward with what you believe is a dream it's it's now or never to start betting on yourself so from there all it was was start training day in and day out as far as just getting in shape uh, building muscle trying to build your cardio up so that way when it comes time 
that January, I believe it was January 2016 is when my class started and it's a 12 week program. So by late March of 2016, I completed my training through the Black and Brave Wrestling Academy. And then by April 2016, I made my debut in a five man over the top rope battle royal in front of, I don't know, maybe like 100 people, if that. Mm -hmm. And so like the dream had to start somewhere and just being given the opportunity to go to WrestleMania changed my life. Mm -hmm. Man. Man, I awesome. love this fucking story, man. I get chill. I'm, I still get chills. The whole story is amazing, and to have it come back around in that full circle so quickly, and now you're at Rollins's or Seth's um, uh, school, and you're going through all this. I want to know, like, when you get when you get the email or whatever it is that says, "Yeah, you're accepted. Come on over to school." Is it is it just? fuck yeah, let's do it, I'm ready? Or or was there ever a moment in that time b between you getting the call and actually going to school where you were like having doubts about it? You're like, can I do this or should I do this? Or was it from jump, was it just like, let's fucking go, we're doing this now? So there was a little bit inside of me that had to, I think I had to figure out, I had the attitude of fuck yeah, let's go. But because I don't know what to do, it would be the same idea if I saw like when I saw hip hop dancing for the first time and then I found there was a club that was associated with it. My mind was like, fuck, yeah, let's go. But then when I go there and I try to learn stuff, I'm like, fuck, I don't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, this it's it was like the same idea. So the only thing that I could do to like ready myself for it was uh, with the Black and Brave Wrestling Academy. They were at the time they were affiliated with uh, a local CrossFit gym and part of the training was you would do CrossFit and I had been working out at like an anytime fitness just you know doing a little bit of cardio on the treadmill lifting some stuff just trying to feel strong and look better um, and I maybe tried to clean up my eating habits a little bit but not having any knowledge that I have nowadays um, and once I moved down here I told myself I was like okay, well, I can't get in the ring and learn how to be a wrestler or learn uh, some of the things that go along with professional wrestling. But I can join the CrossFit gym early and learn the ins and outs and the basics of CrossFit. So that way, when it comes time for my class to start, I'm not trying to start wrestling and trying to start learning mm -hmm. how to train mm -hmm. and do CrossFit at the same time which if people move down early like or or even wherever they live if they have the ability and they want to go to uh, black and brave wrestling academy or even any other place like if look at what the people that run that place do and the things that they associate with fitness uh to go along with wrestling and like familiarize yourself with anything and everything that you can to be as immersed in something with the knowledge that you can build up yourself before you have uh, trainers or coaches to sit in front of to then be taught things. Because the biggest thing they want to see is that, one, you're extremely coachable and you're reliable to show up on time and then soak things in. When they show you something, they, of course, don't want to show you over and over. They want you to retain those things and be able to put things together. And the better you are at that, the more that 
they get excited and the faster that you can progress through the class and you can learn things and the faster you can learn things, the more fun you get to have a lot quicker when it comes to it. So I, that that interest that's fascinating to me because I think when well, I know when I watch wrestling, I just kind of take for granted how fit everyone is. And like occasionally a guy pops off screen and you're like, whoa, that guy's just fucking chucked. But like <laughs> I remember Seth had mentioned we, we see you at Raw and obviously we had Jared and I had known you and Seth had known you for years before that. And then a couple years later, we see you briefly at NXT. And I remember saying to Seth that night, like, Travis is getting fucking stuffed, dude. <laughs> and then we start seeing pic, you know, promo pics of you in the ring and stuff. And you've gotten, I, I don't, not to insult you from beforehand, but it looks like you've made like a complete body transformation. And I, I, I'm curious, like, how much time now are you continuing to spend on your body? Like, are you still in, are you still doing CrossFit? I imagine you have like nutrition plan. Is that, is that like a really big focus for you even still? I would imagine it would be. Yeah. Um, and believe me, no disrespect taken because when it, when I think about and whenever I step back and I look at it, when it comes to like fitness and just health in general, I have such a great appreciation for it that when I get to talk to people about it, whether it's the fitness aspect of it or the health and like diet side of it, if you want to call it that, I get really excited when people bring that stuff up to me and I almost can't shut up because I've had so much success when it comes to myself and learning about my body and what I can and can't do. Um, so like, like I said, when I lived in Ames and I was trying to, uh, start being in better shape, I guess, um, I would just work out and I would work out at like crazy times. I would go to the gym at like 11 PM or midnight and I would just be like, all right, this is my time to grind. And it's, I think that, that verbiage, like you got to grind, you got to grind. It's really toxic when you think about it because a lot of people uh, that are professional athletes, they are, they treat their time like it's money. And if you were to look at someone at the caliber of a Derek Jeter or a Tom Brady or a LeBron James, those people spend, spend specific time on training. They spend specific time on sleep and they have meals that they would eat to be the way that they are. And the more podcasts or things that you read or things that you listen to, there's an insane amount of knowledge that you could sit for days on and just listen to people talk about health. And the beauty of it is everyone's different. So all you're doing is you're performing small science experiments on yourself day in and day out. The thing to it is consistency. So you can't try something for X amount of time and then quit. That's why most of those commercials that you see on TV, they always said after 90 days or 120 days, look at this body transformation that they show. <laughs> And 90 days is three months, 120 mm -hmm. days is four months. And that's them saying, like, try Billy Blank's Tybo or whatever it is. And if you pick up something or like when Insanity, the DVDs came out, if you were to pick those things up and start doing them regularly and also uh, start to even take the diet tips, I guess, 
that they put out there, like you're going to change your body no matter what. If you increase your physical activity and you start to sleep better and you start to eat better and not put, you know, processed foods into your body and stuff like that. So the big change uh, that I would say personally, so I like I joined wrestling and I was doing CrossFit and things were okay. I felt better about my body. But then uh, I would say, let's say I was like 185 pounds. And at a certain point, I was like, to be a wrestler in my head, I want to be over 200 pounds. And so I started eating like not good food. Like I was dirty bulking to the, mm -hmm. the ultimate thing. So I would go to work at the time. And on my lunch breaks, I would make like four peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs> and... <laughs> Like I would smash these things and my coworker, like I would go through one loaf of bread in two days because <laughs> I, I was, uh, so my four sandwiches, that's eight pieces of bread, whether it was what, and I was of course like buying wheat bread because it's better, which it's not. Um, <laughs> and I was getting this chunky peanut butter. So that would be my lunch. I'm stuffing all this stuff into my face every day. Cause I'm telling myself I am going to gain weight and I'm going to get over 200 pounds. Like that was my goal. I wanted to step on a scale and weigh that much for, for dinner. I would have like, uh, I would go eight and peanut butter and chili. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I would, go, I would, I would go to little He'd jelly this time around. <laughs> I would go to little Caesars. And I would buy one of their $5 pizzas and I would eat that whole bitch that night. <laughs> so I was Man. smashing, I was smashing Man. a lot of calories every single yeah. day. 5,000 probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I bet I was easily smashing 5,000 calories when it came down to it. And, uh, I got to over 205 and I have pictures that pop up on my, uh, like time hop and timeline from Facebook and a couple wrestling shows when I was bulking. And you can tell I'm very, I'm bigger, but I'm soft bigger mm -hmm. um, because I was still working out. But at this point I was taking in so many calories that it didn't matter how much I was working out. I was, I wasn't uh, turning them into what I wanted. And so the turning point came when uh, my soon to be girlfriend at the time, I had met her at the gym and our gym uh, had a competition that they ran that was called the shreds program and they wanted you to obviously get shredded and have your summer body and get you excited about getting out in your bathing suit and she had asked me if i wanted to do it and i told her i go if i do this thing we're gonna win this i promise you because i'm gonna go insane because i don't want to <laughs> do i don't want to do this if we're not gonna go crazy with it and the winners of this program were gonna get 500 dollars cash if you you know, had the biggest transformation in your body. And so they had you step on a scale and it told you your weight and your body fat and uh, like a bigger, better breakdown of kind of who you were. And I did, I went insane. So they were like, drink water, eat vegetables. Like they gave you this cheat sheet of things that you should eat. Um, and then on top of the normal CrossFit routine I was doing, they programmed an extra workout on top of that that you needed to do on a weekly basis. So you were essentially starting to do two a days and you were cleaning up your diet. Well, after I did this, I think it was, it might've been six weeks that we did it, six or eight weeks, I'm thinking. Um, I did, I dropped down to like the high 160s 
and <laughs> my and my body my body fat percent dropped to like maybe six or five percent <laughs> so Jeez. when it came to it i was very uh, i dropped so far and now all you it didn't matter how much i weighed the like i'm very vascular when it comes down to it and then when i had no body fat on me like I was wrestling in Dubuque for SCW Pro uh, the night that they had announced the winners of the Shreds program. And I got a text uh, from my girlfriend saying that she won and I won. And so (laughs) we both had an extra 500 bucks because we killed ourselves during this time period to change our bodies. And after that time period, like she... uh, she still had a great appreciation for all the stuff that she learned when it came to uh, that that time period. But it wasn't something that she wanted to like live, eat and breathe by. When I won that thing, it was like I wanted to wake up the next day and go, this is my new life. This is who I am and what I want to look like. I want to look in the mirror every day and go, I earned those abs and I'm going to fucking keep those abs. Mm-hmm. And so from that time period, I have gone from vegetarian to completely vegan now or as vegan as I can be. And I still work out and do CrossFit. If I can, I like to do it five or more times a week. If my body is not uh, feeling up to par or I did not get enough sleep, I'll take an extra rest day in there. But I've stuck to almost eating the same stuff very consistently for probably at least the past three years and I try to never stray away from my diet but I also listen to my body when I try new stuff so that way when I find something that doesn't flow or my body doesn't agree with when I put into it I listen to it and I don't revert back to that because I I, I try to keep uh, I try to track my strain on my body my recovery my sleep Anything that an actual professional athlete should be doing if they want to start to excel and push themselves farther in whatever they're doing. So, yeah, when it comes to like my physical fitness and what I portray out to the world, when I say that I'm a professional wrestler, I want to show someone a professional photograph of me with professional wrestling gear with a body that screams man, this guy really works out. He does look like he's a professional. And as long mm-hmm. as I'm as long as I'm doing that, I'm giving myself the best chance possible to get hopefully signed to a bigger a bigger organization uh, someday because that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be something different, but I'm also trying to do it in the most professional way, regardless of my age, because I know I jumped into the professional wrestling game a little later in life, but I still think that I have a lot to offer to someone someday if they decide that they want to bet on me. Well, I'm kind of curious because you just mentioned it where you're saying that you jumped into this at a little bit older age. In a roundabout way, do you think that that actually maybe benefited you because you're older, you're more mature, you're more, you know, strict and you're like, I need to do this. I need, you know, I have these young guns that maybe can, you know, run a little quicker, lose a little bit weight quicker and whatnot, and I have to keep up with them. Uh, so I do, I do think it's an advantage. There's very seldom times where I look at my age and I think to myself, man, if I was only like 10 years younger, because Mm -hmm. there's certain people that wrestle certain ways, 
Um, but there's also people that dance certain ways. So when I got into dance, I danced a certain way and I learned new stuff, but I was never like a power break dancer, but I would always look at power break dancers and be like, damn, those guys are crazy. I wish I could do that, but it never really came to me, nor did I ever like completely go after it. Um, and you know, try to do something crazy like windmills or whatever. And when it came to professional wrestling, I, in my mind, I had people that I was in love with from when I was little. And I thought to myself like, Hey, I want to model myself after some of these people. But when it came to the actual professional wrestling, when you start to like take bumps in the ring and you have matches, you start to realize that the stuff that you think is cool isn't necessarily the stuff that you mesh the best with. Mm-hmm. You you start to find what really speaks to you as a performer and an entertainer and you start to maximize that because you learn that every professional wrestling show is it's kind of like this smorgasbord where it has something for everyone and on certain wrestling shows there needs to be a spot for a JT energy there's spots for all kinds of other people out there as well. But if I go to a wrestling show and I see the same guy or same type of guy mm-hmm. in like three or four matches, it kind of, it doesn't make that first guy I saw feel special anymore. So when it comes to professional wrestling, that's where I look at it as a, is an art form when it comes to how I want to be portrayed. And I really dig, I dig deep into the storytelling aspect of it because I realized that, my body is only going to take me so far and the more i put my body at risk the faster i'm breaking down my own career so i'm being smart when i'm going into matches and trying to plan how i can come out of it in the best way possible while also probably taking a little bit of a beating to your point i've heard it said um that you know your your character your persona when you're when you're wrestling is you know, everybody has their influences. Uh, I want to know who yours are, but then also the other thing I hear a lot of is that a good character is actually an extension or maybe an, an exaggeration of who your yourself is. So can you talk about that a little bit? How you, how JT energy came together, who maybe your influences were, or what the parts of your personality that you think really kind of show through him are? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm glad that you bring that up because this is really, uh, anyone who, wants to uh, pursue the idea or a career of professional wrestling, a lot of times they'll say like, who are your favorite three wrestlers? And then whatever your answers are, you can look to that as an extension of who you can become or possibly think about when you're trying to find your own identity in professional wrestling. So when I think about people like uh, Macho Man Randy Savage uh, and Jeff Hardy, and Batista, if I were to pick those three names out from three different generations when it comes to professional wrestling, you have uh, you have three people that have a presence to them. You have the Macho Man with extreme outfits that were never the same. Uh, he also, like, he didn't do anything crazy, but you can remember his voice specifically, the way that he, yeah, the way that he spoke. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and he was a, he was, um, someone that you could just get invested with. And when it came to his stories and how he was telling things and later, uh, in high school, 
to me, my all-time personal favorite is Jeff Hardy. He seemed to be like this outcast character with piercings and crazy hair. And he looked like he walked right out of the places that I was shopping at the time. And I thought to myself, like all these people at school that are athletes who are so good at these things that I wish I was better at, I'm just not. But then I see someone on TV who is performing in front of crowds of thousands of people. And I feel like I relate to this guy and he's this underdog that when you see him win, you just want to root for him more and you start to relate to him. And then when you jump a little later and you see someone with the size and the presence of someone like Batista, one of the things that I saw right away was not only how big was this man and how uh, the way that he would come out and he made his entrance so important because that's the first time that people see you. And if you walk out and you shit the bed and you don't have a cool entrance or it, people just instantly are like, well, I'm going to go get a beer during this guy's match. You have to be, you have to be able to have that moment that people connect with. And when I saw that huge dude with tattoos and he had a tattoo around his belly button and I'm like, all right, well, I'm not the only person in the world. I can relate to this big dude. <laughs> so if I can maximize my body and put on a little bit of muscle so that way I look good, it doesn't matter that I have stars tattooed around my nipples. You can still buy that I can beat somebody's ass. And he had a awesome fucking entrance of like the machine gun explosions going yeah, behind cool. it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I was, I was doing that along with the TV, even at his last match that he had, just because I'm like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. So like, those are people that really, uh, when I was soaked into wrestling as a through and through fan, um, and I had to figure out like who I was. One of my, I love telling the story about how I became uh, JT energy because they tell you early on at black and brave. They're like, start thinking about your character. Think about who you want to be as a professional wrestler. And at the time I still do a little bit, not as much as I did then, but I was like my routine for every single day is I would wake up. I'd probably go to a gas station. I would buy a five hour energy and I would slam that bitch. And it was time to start the day. So <laughs> as much as I was taking those, I, I felt like it was a part of me. I, it was, it was, I was the energy and I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, energy is a good noun that people can hear and think something in their own mind as whatever they perceive that as. So I thought I at least had a base of what I wanted to work off of because I would slam five hour energies all the time. Um, and I thought to myself, that's an extension of who I am. That's part of my personality. And I thought to myself, I go, and I have this extensive dance background and I want to be able to use something in some way when it comes down to it. And so I go, okay, what can I do? What can I do? And I think to myself, I go, okay, maybe I can use my initials. And I tried TJ energy because my name is Travis James Horn, but TJ didn't flow as well as JT. Uh, when you say the two things and the words back to back, one just feels better rolling off the tongue than the other. And I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, what does JT stand for? Of course, it's my initials, but what are people going to think when they hear the name JT Energy or they read the name JT Energy? And I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, well, if I think of JT, what do I think of? Well, I think of Justin Timberlake. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, well, what do people think about when they think of Justin Timberlake? They're like, well, that's a white boy that can dance. And I, <laughs> and I thought to myself, I'm like, well, I'm a white boy that can dance. And, I, <laughs> and so if I bring my own flavor of energy to who I am and I use the initials JT, this sounds like I have a pretty good jump off point. And so I came up with the idea that I'm JT Energy. I'm going to stick to this for now. And when it came to promo night, so you have to do a promo in front of Seth and the other two uh, coaches. And oh so boy. I'd be crapping my pants. Yeah. So they they have you. They tell you they're like, write something out. You have 60 seconds and you're going to you're going to deliver it. And then we're going to give you feedback. And so I had wrote something out and I didn't know if I was heel or if I was a baby face. I didn't know if I was a good guy or a bad guy. And so I write this promo out and it's uh, it's got a little bit of it's kind of scandalous, um, but it all depends on how you say things. Right. Because Mm -hmm. someone can perceive you as something completely different based on the way that you say things or your body language. So I say my promo and at the end of it, Seth is like, are you a good guy or are you a bad guy? And I was like, to be honest, I don't know. And he goes, do the same thing, but pick one. And I go, okay. And so in my head right away, I'm like, man, fuck this. I don't want to be a good guy. I'm a bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) And because your character it's an extension of who you truly are and in our everyday lives we get to go through a society that is very uh it's very it's very cookie cutter for the most of the time no one wants to step on any cracks or make any uh, problems or whatever so if you can step into a world that's larger than life and you can entertain there's a lot of pent up things that you can allow yourself to get out in a very productive way so I read this promo back and in the promo, I'm saying things that are like the fact that not only will I be in your dreams, but I'll be in your wife's dreams. And I'm sorry, <laughs> but it, but guess what? When you're when your son and your daughter wake up the next morning and they've seen JT Energy, guess what? They're coming to mom and dad and you have to explain why <laughs> why that image of myself is burned into their heads for the rest of their lives. <laughs> And it was something along those lines. And the way that I said it at the end of it, I could watch Seth's face as I was saying this promo. And he was like cringing, like he wanted to like (laughs) he was he he was wiping his arms like, I don't know what that was, but you made me feel disgusting the way (laughs) the way that you were talking to me. And so uh, when I did that, I was like, okay, if I can make the WWE champion react to me the way that I just uh, came off with my character. I think I have a really good starting point. And that promo that I cut the first night, I came up with my very first like nickname or tagline from that. And my first nickname I've ever used was I'm the filth that you can't wash off. (laughs) (laughs) Because the way that I want you to feel is that you feel disgusting but nothing has touched you and that's because I've penetrated your mind in a way <laughs> in a way that you never would have imagined. So the filth that you can't wash off was born that day when I realized that JT energy was a real thing. 
Man. That's fucking awesome. That's incredible. I love yeah, that. that's so cool. <laughs> oh my god. I I'm curious. Do you um I don't know how involved Seth is in, in your training and stuff like that, but you, you know, you eventually um you know, you've made a couple appearances on Raw. Um, and so you've you've kind of crossed paths in the WWE. Have you ever, when you went to Raw, did you get a moment with Seth, or have you guys stayed in touch? Do you do he shout you out at any point, or what happens after you exit the school? Um, so the beauty of when you graduate from Black and Brave, the coaches there they kind of tell you their analogy is that they're art teachers. And they give you the art set. They give you your first set of paints or your first set of pencils. And now it's time for you to take that and make your own form of art. They give you the base and then they say, it's your time to run free. Um, And I always have looked at him as I know he's there. I know he believes in me. He sees all the work that I put in. So when I need or feel that it's important enough to reach out to him for like feedback on a match or a personal or a professional piece of advice, I'll reach out to him. But in the time period that I've graduated, I also have a feeling inside me that I want to prove to him that Mm -hmm. I want to do it by earning so many people's respect within the professional wrestling business that eventually word comes back to him from other people that he knows that, hey, I met this JT kid. He really has something. I'm so glad that he came from your school. So that way, one day that I receive a message from him saying, I don't know what you're doing, but you're doing something right because people are reaching out to me, telling me how great you are. And that's always been my moniker. I never want to feel like I'm constantly blowing him up, being like, how do you like my gear? Do you like my entrance music? Do you like my match? Like, mm-hmm. I, I want him, I want to come to him when it's important. So that way I'm getting the full depth of his knowledge because him and I, we are almost the same age. And he's been doing this for over like, 15 years or 12 years or something like that. So he's been doing it from the time period that I thought I wanted to be a professional wrestler. He actually went out and started that dream and he's excelled to the highest level. So when I see him, he's always very happy uh, to say, Hey, he's good friends with me and my girlfriend. Um, And he's, you know, every now and then if he likes a, likes a tweet or he, like when I uh, used to be at the old gym with him, there was one time where I was doing like an ab workout and he took a video of me and put it on his Instagram. And I felt really good that he was like putting over my body. But he will always shout out the kids from Black and Brave um, that are really making strides in professional wrestling. He doesn't ever want to. He, he, he will never give us anything because he wants us to earn it just the way that he did. But mm-hmm. he, al- he always wants us to know that he's... He's here for us and will always give us really honest feedback when it comes to any aspect of our professional wrestling journey. And even if we have some personal stuff that we want to reach out to him, uh, obviously he's gone through a lot of things in his life and he just wants people to feel confident in their own lives when it comes to whatever they want to do, whether they want to train to become a professional wrestler 
or they just want to go to professional wrestling school, but then keep in contact with those people afterwards. So he's really cool and he's always there for you. And anytime that I throw something up funny on my Instagram and I see that he liked it, it always kind of makes me smile a little bit to let me know that he's always watching. Man, I'm really That's glad awesome. that you said he's a cool guy because I would have been really yeah. bummed if he would have said he was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I think I think when it comes to it, like in all aspects of whatever you want to look at professional wrestling and celebrity as, uh, Seth's one of the coolest people that I know when you look at him as a human being because the stuff that he talks about all the time is he loves music, um, he loves coffee, and he loves professional wrestling, but professional wrestling has provided him the best life that he could have ever imagined. He has a school where he gets to train people to become the future of professional wrestling. Right next to the school in downtown Davenport, he now owns a coffee shop that he can go to every single day and have the best coffee. Um, and you know the fact that he's now married to Becky Lynch and they have a daughter together and he's still in Davenport, Iowa, just being the coolest dad that you can be. Like when you when you meet that guy, like he he doesn't he doesn't want to talk about professional wrestling. Like that's what he lives and breathes. He wants to like know how you like his coffee. He wants to know like what you want to see downtown Davenport turn into in the future. He wants to just know who you are as a person and relate to you on that level because you can talk to anybody about anything, but when you can relate to someone, that's when you can have a more intimate conversation and turn like a high hello into like, you know, 60 seconds or whatever until he's got to get to, you know, his workout. But he's a really chill dude and he's very cool as far as like if someone sees him and want to say hello or before all this COVID bullshit, like willing to take a picture and stuff like that. If people are cool, like it's really easy to be cool back to them. It's when you have mm -hmm. like the, it's when you have the crazy people who like, <laughs> who, who think they're, they're owed more than, you know, whatever. That's when you have, you know, a wrestler or somebody else give, give a bad attitude out. And then someone's like, ah, that guy's a dick. Well, the only reason he's a, he, the only reason he's a dick is because like, if he's traveling in an airport, like he doesn't want to like sign autographs or do stuff. Like he wants to just get to somewhere like, and wrestlers have a very hard schedule when it comes down to it. And he's one of the people that takes it extremely professional. So the way that he trains and travels, he's doing it to be one of the best people in the world on TV to give back through WWE and also just come back to Davenport and be a, you know, a very normal guy four to seven days out of the week or whatever it is. It blows my mind that like two of the best professional wrestlers in the world live in Davenport. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's really, it's really neat. I was just, I was chatting the other day uh, with one of my buddies at his coffee shop. I was catching up with a friend that I hadn't talked to in a long time. And I like looked over and him and Becky had come in uh, with their daughter and just watching uh, Colby was there with his mom and they were just chatting about whatever it was. And like Becky was just the baby was in like the car seat, a uh, little carrier. And she was just rocking the baby with her foot. And I was like, those are two of the most just chill people that are having such a good time right now. And I'm so happy that they're new parents and they get to have all this stuff around them that they're blessed with. But they've also worked so hard in life that when we're around those people on a regular basis, it's so easy us so easy for us to take like little mundane things that are really like stressing us out 
and, you know, making us anxious or depressed or whatever and just chilling out for a second being like, I think everything's okay. Like if they made it out of this, like I think I can take a deep breath and take all my problems and probably take a second look at them and realize that things are going to be okay and that there's a brighter light that's ahead as long as I just keep looking forward. That's a great attitude to have. And and it's how nice to have someone that you can relate to on so many levels um, be such a good role model uh, is, is really awesome. I imagine that makes things easier. That raises a question for me, but I don't want to hog all the questions. Seth, Jared, what, what do you guys got on deck here? Um, well, I got one here. I mean, obviously, everything I'm hearing is like truly just inspirational. Like part of what I've been doing with my stuff is kind of solely based on, you know, your journey and whatnot. But I'm kind of curious of like, you know, through this journey of essentially, you know, you know, complete change of life and following your dream and whatnot, kind of what what have been some of your biggest kind of struggles or hardships or or uh, I don't know, is it just a, you know, hard work grind through it, even though, you know, you don't like that word grind? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's very easy for me to have the, the public perception that I'm like this very happy person. Um, because when I first moved to the quad cities, I was, I was on cloud nine. It was a different chapter of my life. And I was like working every single day to become I was chasing my dream right Mm -hmm. and once you once I went to wrestling school and I graduated and I started to become a professional wrestler um, you you don't know there's no like right or wrong way to do it and as you learn and as you meet people you start to see people succeed and you think to yourself like okay what do I need to do and like the longer you do it, the more you believe in yourself and the bigger risks you're willing to take. But none of those risks mean that they're going to pay off. Nothing is a guarantee. And it's really hard for me to like have a great uh, weekend of wrestling and then go back to my normal job at the time. And when Sunday rolls around and the previous night you had done something so great and then you just walk back into a job that's paying the bills it's like it's like this suck on your body that that is so hard to relate to because you you're now you're chasing these moments of it's almost like i'm trying to get high in my own form of drug and i did the same thing before I was a professional wrestler with dancing, like we just build to our shows that we perform at. And after that show is over, you're just like, fuck now what? <laughs> and it's, it's really hard to continue to wrap your brain around that because you have to be constructive and find a way to bring yourself out of that low back into a high. And when I moved down here, I told myself I was going to do it on my own I'm not going to live with anybody. So I moved from a two bedroom apartment to a single bedroom apartment. And that really quickly, even grinding, having multiple jobs, uh, you know, trying to do the right thing or whatever, like my balance in my savings account quickly became the balance in my credit card account. So it was, it was hard after a couple of years to like step back and be like, you know, I haven't made it as a professional wrestler. I'm struggling financially now. 
I don't know what to do. And that's when like I started to open back up to family members, especially like my mom and dad and be like, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on in my life. And everybody was kind of like, why didn't you tell us sooner? And my pride was getting in the way of me because as someone who had just entered their 30s, thinking that they had their life together and they had their shit figured out and then trying to adjust to a new role in their life, watching everything they worked for kind of slowly start to regress backwards. But because my pride was so, so big that I didn't want everybody to think that I was failing, that I let it catch up to me. And I've turned things around um, in my life, especially when it comes to uh, my girlfriend now, who is a huge supporter of me and having a very open relationship with my parents when it comes to me uh, financially, how I am mentally and physically. I just try to be a lot more open in all those aspects. So I think I really kind of found a spot in my life where I told myself, I'm like, I really don't give a fuck anymore when it comes to what I do is a job because ultimately I'm just working for professional wrestling and I, and I kind of figured out what my worth was as a person. And I should be working for places that understand that I'm there to help their business out. But my job is to ultimately hopefully get signed somewhere so I can quit that job. And I try to be very open with those places to say, I'm here and I'll give you every ounce of my body and being for full time. But I also want to be off at a certain time because I have to train and I have to sleep. And by training and eating and sleeping, not only will I be a better employee for you, but I'll also be helping myself ultimately for becoming a professional wrestler. And when I started to open up and tell people about that, I started to get a lot more things in life that helped me find my balance. And I still don't even have the best balance when it comes to life. Like I still get in you know, arguments with my girlfriend or I have a personal and professional balance that is always very hard to uh, weigh both sides of making sure that I'm not being too selfish for myself because ultimately at the end of all this, like I don't ever want to regret anything, but I also don't want to let things personally uh, slip by me when I should be making my personal life as enjoyable as my professional life. So anything that you do out there, it's always hard to like wake up and have a shitty day after you had a really great day and try to convince yourself the next great day is going to come, especially if it's not in the near future working for another year or two years to finally chase the next big thing that you feel like is such an accomplishment. You can have small accomplishments all the time and you can feel great about those things. And if you get better at building those things up, you can really find a better balance for yourself instead of chasing the astronomical highs of a mountain. Because once you get to the top, there's only one place to go go and that's down. And that deep downfall is where a lot of people fall off track when it comes to getting in better shape, changing their diet, starting a new job, starting a new relationship. It's, it's, I think as you get older as a person, you start to find a lot more balance in your life when you start to learn more about yourself 
And I don't think a lot of people start to hit that peak in their lives until you get past your 20s and you start to enter your 30s, to be honest. And I'm sure when I, once I enter my 40s, I'll be able to speak to my 30s on how I didn't know anything until I got to my 40s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never Shit, heard man. that thought articulated that like you do something kick ass on Saturday night and then you still go to work on Monday. And that's I've. I've felt that, but I've never heard it said that way. And that's really fucking relatable for anyone who's like in any type of showbiz to go from like, you know, however many people are in this arena screaming your name and then fucking, how can I help you, sir? Like a couple of days later, that is such a hard, I can, I, I can relate to that being a difficult kind of thing to kind of try to live between. Um, but I've never heard it said that way. That's interesting. Huh? Yeah. And I, I really like when I listen to uh, like, there's, a million wrestlers that have been interviewed on podcasts all across the world. And it's it's cool to listen to people that have relatable stories. And one of the ones that stick out to me the most is uh, Chris Jericho's The Night That He Beat Stone Cold and The Rock and became the first ever undisputed champion. He got booked at some shitty ass like hotel that night. They <laughs> they lock he got locked out of his room. They wouldn't let him in. He had to order uh, like pizza that got locked in the room. So after he had beat Stone Cold and The Rock in the same night and become the first ever undisputed champion, he had to have an argument with this guy that worked at a hotel. When he <laughs> when he finally got into his fucking hotel room, it was whatever time in the morning, he was tired as fuck, and he had cold pizza to look forward to after he just <laughs> had this am amazing moment. And it's like, damn, like, even after like LeBron James wins a championship or whatever, like those people still wake up the next day and LeBron's like, okay, well now I have to get my kids cereal for breakfast. Like <laughs> you, you have to get sucked back down to earth and no matter what you've done, um, it's, it's, and I'm sure Jared, maybe even like you can, uh, relate to this with all these amazing movie reviews that I always see you put up and with how many views you have and followers you have and stuff like that when you have a movie review that does these astronomical numbers and you're like holy shit I'm popping off and then you put the next one out and you're like oh fuck what I do why isn't this one as popular as the last one mm -hmm. it's you're trying you start over analyzing stuff when that's not what got you to the big place in the first place it was just being yourself but then you start to take a step back and you overanalyze all the stuff and then you start to become a completely different person until you really stop and you go okay let's go back to the formula that was just working because that's truly who i am and that's what people cared about in the first place Man, Travis, I, I am borderline tearing up because literally <laughs> everything you were saying is exactly how I feel. So thank you. Um, oh, I appreciate shout that. Out, though. <laughs> I just saw you, you passed 90,000 on uh, TikTok today. 90,000 followers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking that is a, popping man. off. Uh, again, that is uh, basically, you know, this this weird thing, you know, Travis, his is, I, I would say, way more uh, physical. Mine is a little bit more mental, probably, but weird. I don't know, Jared. What, I've what seen a couple he's... gnarly paper cuts on your fingers. So, <laughs> I mean. But everything you are saying, Travis, is just hitting home so much where, you know, like in your uh, situation, you go out, you have a bomb-ass Saturday night wrestling, and then you are taken back down to reality. That's how it feels. It's those ebb and, ebbs and flows. I mean, even going back to Dub H, where, we, you know, we practice a whole semester for a dance. We kill it, and then you wake up the next day, and you're like, now what? 
I got a math test in two days. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's the, the, the hardest part a lot of the times. And you know that we're like chasing uh, what we've done because after we would have those shows and we work so hard and you have these overwhelming moments of adrenaline and you have the crowd pumping and you have the music pumping and you kill the dance and you have this epic moment and then you wake up and you're like, fuck, that was awesome. Um, and then you think to yourself, you go, okay, when's the first time I can watch it? I want to watch the DVD. Back. <laughs> yep. You yep. What, yep. You're, you're chasing the moment to relive it because you remember how great it was. And it's, it's a very, it's, I feel like it's almost a sickness that people have to get used to that you're chasing those things, especially when you're a performance artist in any way, shape or form. Uh, even if people don't say that they're chasing the aspect of the the crowd or whatever it might be, that feeling, it's it's what your body's producing on the inside that's giving you a specific feeling that that's what you're really going after. And it's like the I really the great part about all of this is the fact that there's just mediums like this now where podcasts exist, whether it's video podcasts or audio podcasts, because, because the way I live my life now, the only people I feel like I get to open up to on a deeper level are some of the people I don't even know. And that's mm -hmm. because I get to retell my story through these podcasts and I'll sit here and I'll tell anything and everything from the deepest parts of my heart because uh, sometimes I'll even say like too much and that's because I want to look back someday and have people listen to interviews from me and not think wow that guy's a, a cool professional wrestler I want people to think that guy was talking like from his fucking heart and if he made it great and if he didn't make it he tried his fucking hardest and if I'm relating with anyone, uh, whether it's you or anyone else, like I also want to look back and regardless of what I did when it comes to professional wrestling or dub H or who I even interacted with, I want people, I want, I want the story to come back around someday where I change someone's life. I want someone to tell me a story like I could tell Seth a story of how I saw him perform and it doesn't have to be on a grand scale. It can be on the smallest scale of uh, interaction in dub H or an interaction in class or just an interaction out at a bar. But nowadays the people I have these interactions with are people that I usually podcast with and people say nothing but good stuff about podcasts when I'm on and that's nice and I appreciate that. But I also want people to be extremely real with me and because that's when I give the most to someone when I know that they're giving the most back to me and that's where I have the most genuine connections and that's why when I feel uh, like about a job or professional wrestling and I sit and I tweet things about hey I want to get hired I want to get signed I want to get signed or hired because I want these companies to have people under their belts that they can pay money to and rely on and never worry about that employee again for the rest of their lives and retire that way and then turn it into something just like what Seth's doing now because I want to be able to give back someday with all the knowledge that I've gained through anything and everything I've ever put myself through whether it be dancing or wrestling or whatever you know it's funny that you say that Travis because I don't I think we talked about this years ago but I'm not sure if you'll remember um the first ever 
Dub H event that I went to was your workshop. Um, it was uh, Mike Posner. I think the song is called Cooler Than Me. Fuck it's yeah, like, it if is. I could write you a song, <laughs> fall in love. So I that was the first ever time. And it was kind of that thing where I was like, I want to dance. There's a club for that. Fuck yeah, let's do it. And I have specific memories of that first time. And I remember you especially, and this is something I, I know Jared will agree with. You always had a way of creating an environment around you in Dub H that was like, we're here to be loud and fun and who fucking cares if you hit the move perfectly, but as long as you're have as long as you're feeling this, you're in the right place. And I remember immediately feeling that in your class. And I don't know, uh, it's hard to say, you know, that a single event changes your life, but I don't, you know, who knows if I, if that's a shitty workshop that night, I don't know if I stay in dub H and that became a mm -hmm. huge part of my life, introduced me to Jared. Um, and that, that sense of like finding that showmanship and that desire to entertain is something that I think we both really cultivated in dub H. And so, you know, in, in you've already, I think started to do, to have an effect on people's lives. And even besides dub H, you know, I know for the three of us getting to see you, uh, kind of have that fuck it, I'm doing it moment and you move and you you train and you go to school and now, and eventually we see you on fucking WWE Raw. <laughs> and like, I'd, I don't know if you if you sit and think about this much, but but I hope that you feel this occasionally, that you do have an effect and I think you inspire people, um, ourselves included, just by the way that you've chosen to kind of go about your life. So if you're looking for uh, for proof that you've had an effect on people, like we are it, because I can tell you that you definitely have in our cases. Oh, yeah. I, I want to jump onto that, Cody, as well. In absolutely 100%. I don't know if I've ever said this to you, Travis, but like you were the first dance I was in, and it clicked. The same energy, the same kind of style, the same humor and weirdness and whatnot, and that honestly got me probably where I'm at right now because I, did, I would not have met Cody. I would not have met Seth. I wouldn't have followed your career of, you know, kind of, you know, saying fuck it and following your dream like that was part of the inspiration as well where i'm like it's never too late mm -hmm. yeah. so like the this is this is uh this is the stuff that i think is so important in all of our lives that a lot of people they won't dig deep enough to find these things and these relationships and these feelings and I feel like this is where people truly learn and they grow to be deeper, better human beings when it comes down to it. So when I say things like uh, I want to change people's lives, I know that's a very like blanket statement. And it seems like very like, oh, like it, it's a PSA on TV almost like change the world. But um, like when you talk to people and especially uh, from the background that we have, when you go through those immense relationships with giant groups of people, right? And you do it for years at a time. It's, you don't, you don't have this, uh, come together at the end where everyone kind of just talks about it, right? You don't have that moment where you all decompress through emotions verbally. Like we dance it out and you have this overwhelming feeling of like, uh, you did it. But when you have the time to reflect on things, especially with the people that you went through things with, that's where you start to feel this incredible deep connection 
through what you've done, whether it be in the past immediately or something to look back on, like we said with Dub H. And so being able to talk to someone, I don't know, let's say 10 years later, and knowing that people are doing things in their lives because of a moment that happened is extremely cool to think about. And those are the things that I wish more people would uh, like catch up with each other because you always think about mm-hmm. like, man, I, I wish I could talk to my best friend. And because I always treat my life like I'm so busy um, and I'm trying to find my personal and professional balance uh, when it comes down to it, I also find myself thinking how much I miss people and how much I wish that I could talk to people more and get these in-depth feelings on how their lives are going. Um, so to be able to sit and talk with you guys and just give uh, a little bit back on how our stories have come together from the moment that we met and how things have transpired over time, some of the things that I look back on are like these little tidbits of uh like talkings that we've had so we've never had a chance where we went out and we like sat and we talked as buddies and had a real in-depth four-hour talk about our lives and all kinds of shit that's going on in it but those are some of the best times when it comes down to it is when you can sit and talk and you forget about what time it is and then you look at a clock and you go fuck i can't believe we've been talking this long and it feels Mm -hmm. and it feels like no time has passed at all because Mm -hmm. then you know you've been extremely engaged and you probably are so overwhelmed with information but you're still taking probably so much from that to like really excite yourself for the next step and so for me to know that that first night where I was just having some fucking fun and that that Mike Posner workshop I came up with in my living room that afternoon like I procrastinated <laughs> I, pro- I, pro- I procrastinated the shit out of that and was like well let's just come up with some fun stuff and hopefully it works out and that was such a great night like that video still exists on YouTube and there was a shit ton of people there that night and we had a lot of fun and my dance style is a certain style and whenever I would have a dance and I would ask people to join it when it got to a certain point where I go okay guys I know my dance is gonna cap just go ahead and email me I know people are gonna drop off as well there were certain people that I didn't give a shit if they got my dance or not and Jared you were always one of them where I was just like hey man you show up you and your sister I don't give a fuck what it is you're in my dance no matter what okay um (laughs) And, and I absolutely appreciate that. That was that was the greatest thing ever. And so the the beauty of it is every time you would be in the dance, like when you would dance, you had this uh, this energy to you, which I always uh, appreciated because I loved when people would go all out. But when it came to like talking, we never had any conversations at all. And I would only like watch and get to know you through your style of dance and how you would uh, react or portray characters or do different things through dancing. And I always thought to myself, like, this person is amazing and I know nothing about them except how much (laughs) they do when they go and fucking kill it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there's which li- is such a strange thing, but I can totally understand because I mean, you probably had that with I mean, Cody, myself, you, with many people that were in that dance club. Oh, it's yeah. There's a lot of people I feel like I know and I can still picture them dance, but I've never spoken to. That's a really mm-hmm. cool kind of thing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and so like when it comes down to it now, um, if I if I relate it back to uh, wrestling and kind of why I'm here and lucky enough to be with you guys today and have something to talk about when it comes to entertainment and what you guys are doing and how I'm here to talk to people and if people have listened for this conversation and they find it interesting that's awesome if they think i'm ridiculous and crazy and they can't wait for the next guest on the show everybody (laughs) has they they have their own prerogative and i'm not mad about it that's cool um but i'm just glad that i'm here and i'm trying to do the same thing i did there but in my own way through professional wrestling and if someday I look back and I have all these moments that I can live on and think about. That's great. But I also want to be able to give back to people. So when people need feedback, I want to be able to give it to them. And they trust me from the inside because they see what I've done with my career. That's some of the stuff that I really feel like I can relate to some people on a different level. Because some people might be really great at learning choreography but they don't have a swagger to them when they dance and they just don't know how to let loose, but they can learn an eight count one time and remember it for the rest of their lives. But it's that entertainment aspect when it comes to pro wrestling that myself as JT energy, I'm trying to bring to any and all shows that I'm a part of. So that way when people come to a show, if they've never seen me before, I want to be that one person from the wrestling show that they leave and they go, man, that guy was so disgusting or <laughs> or like if my entrance is really weird, like I'm trying to burn my image into their minds so that way they go home and they look for my social media or they think, man, I want to come back to the show because I can't wait to watch that guy get his ass kicked <laughs> because really in the long run as a bad guy. That's my job. There has to be good guys to beat me up. And the more that I continue to get over on the good guys, the more you want to see me get my ass kicked as a bad guy. And I feel like I've found a really good niche at how Mm -hmm. I can do it and the different ways I do it to myself and have also transformed my character over time to be something different every time you see me. Just like if you went to those old Dub H shows, you if you've seen my dance you have an idea of the energy level that i'm going to bring when you see it but it's going to be in a different format every show that you come to i even just from the videos i've not seen you live yet i hope too soon um but even from the videos of some of the things that you've posted i i would wager people remember you (laughs) when they uh when they leave from (laughs) your shows um i i'm just doing a quick time check is it okay with you guys if we skip reviews? Because I've got a couple yeah, questions. Yeah, I was, I was I, thinking the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm perfectly yeah, fine fuck with that. The, fuck those movies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if, if you, if you I, guys need to, if you need to review anything, just go over to my YouTube channel and start reviewing everything on there because I gladly appreciate feedback. <laughs> That's what we should do. Um, I got a couple wrestling questions that, that I wanted to ask, but Seth, what do you, you got anything left in the hopper? The only thing I, I Cody's referenced it a couple times and I, I have to, I have to hear the story. Um, of you wrestling on raw like how did that come about mm. who 
told you that you're wrestling on Raw? What was going through your head? Like all of that. That that's something like because I remember the picture. I remember watching it. Like your name, your your legitimate name is up on Monday Night Raw on the logo. Like to me, that would be like holy fucking balls. This is like <laughs> this is this is everything, you know. And and I know like you have way more. You're you're gonna do. Um, but that that's like a huge milestone, at least in my mind. Um, what what was going through your head? Who told you all that stuff? Okay, so I'll give you a little quick rundown so I can get to the story of it and give you the bread and butter. So that weekend, I was a WWE extra on the entire loop. So Friday night, mm-hmm. I was in Madison, Wisconsin. I was one of King Corbin's security guards. Yep. Um, so on Friday night, I got kicked in the face by Roman Reigns. Um, uh, Saturday night I came back and I did a local SCW show and I got um, what happened oh I I took a Vader bomb from Santa Claus and lost to him (laughs) so that was that was my Saturday night because that was our December show for SCW so I'm at I'm Friday night Smackdown kicked in the face by Roman Reigns Saturday night I take a Vader bomb from Santa Claus um (laughs) sunday night i drive we are in minneapolis minnesota for the tlc pay-per-view and i'm a Mm -hmm. member of king corbin security again well that night roman reigns hit me in the stomach with a kendo stick um (laughs) and then we finally get to the end of our loop which is monday night raw in des moines and they were doing a two Monday Night Raw taping because it was the week before Christmas and then they were also doing the Christmas Day taping so they were it's it doesn't hardly ever happen but every now and then especially around the holidays they'll do a taping episode so we get there we do our normal check-in um like the extras do we wait around we go out by ringside they have the agents that are there they start picking out what they need uh the random independent professional wrestlers to do so um they were trying to figure out people because they had a couple different segments they needed wrestlers for so one of the people i graduated with who wrestles under the name dante leone he uh got picked to wrestle the first eric rowan match which premiered live that night and then so devon Dudley, he was the one who was picking us. So Devon, he's like 20 feet away from us. And he's like, okay, I need one more guy. And I got to figure out which one of you it's going to be. And he's like, I think it's going to be between you and you. And it's my butt. <laughs> it's it's my buddy, Joesa, who's sitting next to me. And in my head, I am staring at Devon Dudley and trying to be, I'm trying to use telekinesis to tell this motherfucker that I need to be in a match. <laughs> And I'm praying to God. I'm praying. I'm praying to God that he picks me. And he's sitting there and he's staring and he's staring. And it's just so long. And I don't know what I don't know what him as an agent, I don't know what he's thinking or why he has to think for so long. And he finally (laughs) he finally goes, Okay, you and he points to me. And in my head, like under my breath, I was like, Fuck yeah. And (laughs) Uh, so I graduated from the same class as Dante Leon. And when I went over to him, I like whispered in his ear. I was like, fuck yeah. Fifth class represent motherfucker. (laughs) 
And I was so hyped because I'm like, all right, I'm going to get squashed on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so I'm like, okay, cool. And I went over and met Eric Rowan. He was a very cool dude and very nice. And they have these different segments that they had planned out. And so Devon comes to me and he's like, okay, we got, we got a plan for you. And it involves candy canes. <laughs> and I think to myself, I stop him. I go, okay, so let me run this by you real quick. Saturday night, I actually was dressed like head to toe in full Christmas gear because I wrestled in a match with Santa Claus. And he's starting to give me this look like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> and he's like, we need candy canes. And I'm like, I have this whole get up I can go ahead and put on. And so I get head to toe in this full same thing I wore for SCW on Saturday night with candy canes and all. Because he thought they were going to have to go out and buy candy canes. And I was like, I already came prepared because I thought I might be in like No Way Jose's conga line. And I had to bring all my fun stuff. <laughs> so I come back with a handful of candy canes. I'm like, I already brought everything you needed, man. I was the one that was meant to do this. Uh -huh. And uh, he took a picture of me. I think he sent it to Paul Heyman. And he, he comes back to me and he's like, okay. We're just doing the candy canes. I just need you in regular wrestling gear. And in my head, if you would have seen me in the full, like, Santa weird JT energy get up, like, I would have really never been forgotten on Monday Night Raw. And I feel... <laughs> And I, and I feel like that's why they didn't let me do it because they knew too many people would be like, holy shit, who's this guy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they were being, yeah. they were being smart about it. So I was just this regular guy. Um, and he, the cool thing is that gear that I wore that night, that was the first time I'd ever worn that gear. That was brand new gear that I had made and it got to debut on Monday Night Raw. So I was super stoked with it. And mm -hmm. so, uh, they kind of tell me the synopsis for the match and how things are going to go. Um, and in my head, I'm like, this is really awesome because I have more of a skit than I do a match because they want, yeah. they want me to uh, pull out a prop and they want me to react and tell a story before I get crushed by Eric Rowan. <laughs> and so um, I have my candy canes. It's almost time for my segment. I'm in the gorilla position before we go out. Um, and Devon's trying to figure out how he wants me to put candy canes and where that he wants them to go. And I'm like, I got holds on my ears. I'll hang them from my ears. We can do all kinds <laughs> of stuff. He's like, you can put them in your knee pads and live. Morgan's like, Oh yeah, put them in your ears. That'd be super cool. And eventually he's like, no, just take the candy canes, put them in your trunks, face them out. You'll take one out and give it to him. And then you'll slide out and to act like you're going to give the rest of the candy canes to whatever is in the cage. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but one of the funnest little things is when I was backstage getting ready for it, I was warming up a little bit or whatever. And uh, Rusev at the time, he comes by and he looks at my gear and he looks at my trunks and he goes, man, those are some of the smallest trunks I've ever seen, bro. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I told him, I was like, actually, I, I, I actually had them made really small. And he's like, oh, man, you did a good job. Those are really small. <laughs> and so I was really happy that Rusev put over how small my trunks were because I, I made them purposely oh, small to have my ass hang out and get really low on my lower stomach to, you know, show off the V and everything. <laughs> so we go out um, and I go out there like during the commercial break or whatever um, and Eric Rowan comes out and I'm just staring at them and the, they had asked me earlier in the day, they're like, what's your, what's your name? And I'm like, JT energy. And he's like, what's your real name? And I was like, uh, Travis horn. And he's like, 
let's go with that. And, <laughs> and all the other guys that wrestled, they all went under like their their gimmick names. I was the only person that used their real name. And I tried to get him to change it a couple times. I was like, oh, he wanted me to change my outfit. Do you want me to change my name? And he's like, no, let's, let's stick with Travis Horn. It's safer. And I'm like, okay, bro. So uh, when the match plays back, if you ever watch the clip, like you can see like this look of like horror on my face as they show my name. I'm like licking my lips and kind of biting uh, my tongue a little bit where I'm like, oh, fuck, this is about to get crazy. Like, I don't have this. I don't have this look of determination like I'm going to beat some ass on my face. I look genuinely worried. And which plays off well for who you're going against. Though. Right. You yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, in, in my head, that's why I was like, I'm not like I'm a chicken shit guy. I don't think I'm going to beat this guy up. So this worked well the way it came off. And so the match starts. I pull the candy cane out. I make it a big production. I give him the candy cane. I slowly slide out, which is also one of my favorite parts because I slide out in a really provocative manner where you can almost like see <laughs> you can almost like see down my ass crack, which is exactly what I wanted. And <laughs> so I pull out the candy canes. He loses his shit. I get squashed. I get beat up. I get. He gives me two of these iron claw choke slams. The first one I got really high on, and I'm really proud of it. And after the first one, the ref comes over. He's like, he's going to give you another one. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> because w- when I took the first hit, I was like, man, the WWE ring is a lot harder than I thought it would be. And he, he picks me up and I take the second one. I'm like, oh, my God. He fucking pins me and it's over. And I walk to the back and I <laughs> I sit there and I think to myself, I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe that happened. Um and my friends were like, did you get any feedback? And I'm like, feedback? What do you mean? And they're like, did you ask them how the match went? And I'm like, I didn't even think about that. And by the time I went back, like they were already like two segments passed and I didn't have anybody to get feedback from. But uh, Merrick and Colby both told me they were like, good job on your segment. You did a good job like playing out your small role. But the best part about the whole experience was, like I said earlier, not many people get to be on a taped episode of Monday Night Raw. Usually it's live and you can't like tweet out or tell people that you're going to be on TV. But because I was on a taped episode, I was able to kind of like wink at everyone I know to be like, hey, maybe you should watch Monday Night Raw. Wink, wink. (laughs) And so I got to be home with my girlfriend sitting there watching Monday Night Raw live and watching me wrestle on tv (laughs) making my debut and the crazy part was anybody that didn't know i had gone on in life to become a professional wrestler and hadn't kept up with me on facebook or whatever could have been flipping through the channels and seeing my legitimate name on on tv and been like travis horn i know travis horn (laughs) and crazy so it was like this ultimate thing that was actually really cool because Anybody ever in life, even if they didn't know I went on to become a professional wrestler, I still have a screenshot of my name on Monday Night Raw to show everybody like, no, me as Travis Horn, I was really on Monday Night Raw. So cool. And so uh, that's the moment I get to kind of sit back with and afterwards, like, you know, I just have got to relish in the fact that it happened. My name was on TV. It was there for a couple minutes. You saw me got to do a couple things. 
and I got to play a skit out on TV through my char- right. through my character for a Christmas episode. And it's one of those things where every year when the holidays roll back around, of course, I'm <laughs> always going to talk about guess where I pull my candy canes from my ass crack. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's crazy because, you, you know, you talk about you got to play a skit like I've seen 20 years plus worth of squash matches being a wrestling fan. And I can't remember many or any situations in those matches where there's skits playing out like you got more time than I've seen a lot of those people get. Um, and so I that, I think that alone, you got to show your personality, which never happens in a squash mm-hmm. match. So I think that alone is like they I think there was there was a lot of confidence in your ability just seeing what you've done in the past and probably some feedback from some Seth and everything like that. But like, I think there's a lot of confidence in, in seeing what you could do and showing that like, hey, on Monday Night Raw, I can play the skit out. I have this personality. I think that that whole thing and then just alone having that, like you said, that screenshot, like I would... I would have that like paste it up, like that frame. Yeah, it's just oh man, I, it would be. How many times I dreamed about it as a kid? Like that's so cool, man. That's so cool. Yeah, and j- just being able to like have that experience. It's something that um, I don't go and like try to relive that moment more than I should. I like yeah. to, I like to wait around, and if it pops up um, every year cool i'll watch that match once a year soak that moment in ask myself what have i done how have i progressed um mm-hmm. you know because when i get that next opportunity no matter what it is i want to make sure that i make the most out of it and i don't remember that day someone saying like you have five minutes or whatever like i just reacted genuinely to how i thought things should play out at the speed that they thought they should play out and then go from there. And I think it mm-hmm. it helped because they were doing a taped episode that you weren't living and breathing and dying by the seconds till the next commercial break. So yeah. by being able to have a match and then cut it however they needed to, to it, it allowed me to just have fun with that scenario. And that's exactly what I try to do. The couple other times I've been on uh, an extra on WWE TV, Mm-hmm. The second time that I was part of No Way Jose's conga line, um, I essentially told myself, I was like, I'm going to be in the front. I'm the fucking leader of this line. <laughs> I was like, no one's going to have more energy than me. And I don't give a fuck about this. And when I came out, I had 10 times more energy than fucking No Way Jose did. And when, <laughs> it, and when, and when people saw that, they were like, dude, you were going crazy. And I was like, that's the point. You're in a conga line. You're supposed to be having a party. If you're going to be the leader of the conga line, you better have all the energy in the world because we're trying to get this crowd hyped up. And it was that second time that I worked for WWE where I realized every time I come back here, I have to tell myself I need to perform on that level. No matter what mm-hmm. my task or my job is, I have to make it feel big and important because the show is portrayed as a larger than life spectacle. So everything has to be that way, even if it's a small role. Such a fucking awesome moment. Just all of that. Getting to, getting to even just interact with WWE must be such a dream. But like, do... Does that, how does that compare something like, you know, you, you get on Raw, you get squished, 
Um, the, <laughs> but you've also, like, in your own right, as JT Energy, you've had a lot of success in the promos that you've worked. You're obviously a triple champion right now. How does something like appearing on Raw in that sort of I'm here to serve the story versus, you know, when you're doing your own thing and it's your story and you're the guy host, hoisting the belt. Um, are there any moments like that? Or like, I know you went against uh, Jerry the King Lawler at an event and he's a Hall of Famer. D- do any of those Beat moments him. compare to being on Raw? Or is there something that that trumps that feeling that you got just by being part of that whole experience? I don't know if there's a, does anything top that? Um, I, I mean, I don't know if, so the cool part about i forgot that on monday night raw so i knew at that point in time i was going to face jerry the king lawler shortly thereafter right and never in my wildest dreams did i think i'd have a chance to share the ring with jerry the king lawler at all ever right no one was like hey have you seen jerry lawler on the independent circuit it's not something that was happening um and then when i was on monday night raw jerry the king lawler was the announcer for my match (laughs) and so in the short time period not only did i have jerry the king lawler announce my match i also wrestled him a short time later now the day that i wrestled him for cew at bridge city slam two i believe um in that moment that was my birthday as well oh shit yeah so like it was this epic giant event Earlier in the day, I had a seminar with Hardcore Holly and Mr. Anderson. It was my, it was my birthday, and I also wrestled Jerry the King Lawler with Terry Runnels, who came out to ringside, <laughs> and I fucking beat him and then got slapped in the face by her. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that was, again, this astronomical moment where I had these two huge life events happen so close to each other that... I took the candy cane thing and I ran with it and I did it for a little while, but I realized you can't hold on to this or you're going to be the candy cane guy. So I had to fizzle it out rather quickly to move on to the next phase of JT energy and figure out what that was for me because you have to be this ever progressing character. Otherwise you just get stagnant and stale. And I think the promotions that I wrestle for, like Central Empire Wrestling, 3XW Wrestling, and SCW Pro, they believe in my talents in the ring, but they also believe in my professionalism, in my ability Mm -hmm. to tell stories and make things make sense. So the fans that do come to the shows, they're able to follow something for a longer period of time. And I'm not giving you this knockdown, drag out match in one night. I'm making you follow my story for a longer period of time. And because I'm reliable and coachable and able to listen and do what's needed of me, I feel like I've excelled at the places that I've been. And that's why I'm so hungry for the next bigger opportunity to come because I can't wait for someone to be like, man, I wish we would have had you sooner because that's what I'm always digging for is for someone to feel like I'm the hidden gem they've been looking for to take their shows to the next level. I love it, man. It sounds like you've, you know, at least from from my perspective, it seems like you've got the right mindset in a lot of ways. You know, it, it, you know, you 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 know not to hang on to something for too long. You know how often to go back to some of those big moments. You know that, um, that you know there, there's going to be the downside after the big moments. All of those things, those those are probably more learned. Like, do do you find that you learned those lessons through experiences, or have you always kind of been? 
uh, kind of a Zen master? Because that's how you're coming off to us now. I don't know if you feel that for yourself, but it sounds like all these experiences have really shaped your your mind in a way that's really um, going to help you do all these things that you want to do next. No, I feel like it's all been learned. And I feel like that's the thing that I have with my age is coming into professional wrestling at the age of 30. I had all these life events to look at both personally and professionally to like understand how I lived and how I progressed through my teens and my 20s. And then when I got to wrestling and I see people that are in their early 20s trying to start sprinting after something that is uh, such a high caliber thing. I mean, realistically, the people that wrestle and get paid by the WWE, it's such a small roster that more people probably get paid to uh, play in the NFL than get paid to wrestle for WWE. And it's insanely hard to you know get signed to become an NFL player, let alone a starting player. And that's what we're all trying to do is get this role on television to be an aspect of a story that's told for a long period of time. And so when I come into this stuff, I try to tell myself, I go, it, it's not a sprint. It really is something that you have to play out. Even Seth, it took him like six years before he got to the tier of being signed by the WWE when they even started to take on independent wrestling talent. And the school, we've put out one uh, signed WWE superstar who is Ben Carter, who's currently signed to NXT UK. And it only took him a handful of years uh, to get his feet in the door, make some really big moves, and get his opportunity. Again, it's not on Monday Night Raw, but NXT UK is a very hot thing. And he's a very hot name who's making a name for himself right now and being able to share the school and the lineage that we came from. He's doing the right things. But whenever I talk and I bullshit and I spew all this stuff out through podcasts, I'm trying to be as genuine as possible because in my everyday life, I just get sucked into being Travis Horn and you talk and you work and you work out and you do all these things. But when you have seconds and minutes and hours to talk and say, this is what I've learned. I'm just trying to pass it on in audio or video form. You don't have to take any and all aspects that I'm giving you. All I'm trying to do is giving you this long podcast for you to find one thing to take out of it and then implement it into your life and see if it works for you. Uh, I always feel like I'm very articulated when it comes to telling stories and talking on podcasts. But then when I turn around and I go back to my normal life tomorrow, I ask myself sometimes, I'm like, how can you sit there and you can talk and say all these things, but then you have these stupid screw ups every day that cause small minuscule problems, but then you can have this great podcast where you talk and you get everything out. And then I wake up tomorrow and I'm like, I'm not living and breathing what I'm saying some days because I get so caught up in just the normal cog of being a human being. I Well, I do think uh, our listeners will find not just one, but many great nuggets from you. Um, it's been really, really fun. You've been so, so generous with, with your time and, and with your just openness and willingness to talk to us. We so appreciate you coming on. Um, we're going to wrap up the show in a second, which I hate to do because this has been so, so much fun. I feel like we could talk for another couple hours on this, but at the very least, we got to stop this podcast episode in here in a second. So we're going to wrap up in just a moment. Uh, but again, thank you for being here, Travis. We're going to let you out of Kyle's court now. So let's do that first. <laughs> Thank you.
right. So for the folks at home, obviously we skipped, uh, you know, the movie reviews and one more thing this week, but we were having such fun with Travis, we decided, fuck it, we'll do that stuff next week. Um, so again, uh, Travis, want to give you a chance here before we do get the show wrapped up. Uh, anything to promote? How can folks find you out there? When or where are you going to be wrestling next? Uh, how, how can the folks out there get in touch with JT Energy? Uh, so... The best way to follow me, uh, like most people nowadays, is of course social media. Social media, I am DJ Click and Play though. Uh, when I created DJ Click and Play in college, no one had it, and I have it on all platforms. So I never changed it because for some reason there's a JT Energy company, and I don't want to. Oh, weird. Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> worry about it. Um, uh, hopefully someday they realize that JT Energy didn't take off and they relinquish that name and I'll snatch it. <laughs> I'll snatch it right up. But I love that the moniker DJ Click and Play still lives on through my professional wrestling career. Um, and again, that's DJ like the job, Click like the word or what you would do with the mouse, the letter N, and then play, P-L-A-Y. DJ Click and Play is what I am on everything. Um, most recently, especially during this pandemic in this last year, because I haven't been wrestling as much, I've been trying to put out as much content as possible and going and putting up uh, old dub eight shows, old freestyle videos, and old matches on my YouTube. I think I'm currently at like 170 three subscribers or something um which i'm really excited about and uh, if you can go there that's where i'm really trying to grow my audience just through my youtube channel so if you go there search jt energy dj click and play you'll be able to see that um my next upcoming show the only live one that's coming up is for scw pro and our first show back is going to be uh april 24th and that's going to be in Moline, Illinois for SCW Pro. Uh, I'll be wrestling that night. I don't know who I'm going to be wrestling, but SCW Pro has a Patreon that I've been wrestling on. And that's patreon.com slash SCW Pro. And that gives you all the stories. Another one-on-one uh, -on -one interview with myself and Merrick Brave. But really... If you follow me on social media, I'm extremely active. I try to put out great content for you to follow or at least be entertained by. Um, if you want to support me and you like uh, flavoring up your t-shirt collection, you can go to prowrestlingtees.com slash JT Energy. I have four different styles on there that you can choose from. And that allows you to put the filth that you can't wash off onto your back. I have a couple different designs. <laughs> I got a purple one, a pink one, a gray one, a black one, whatever floats your boat. But yeah, that's the best way to support me. Uh, if you keep an eye on my social media, I actually just had my very own uh, stuffed doll made. They're called <laughs> they're called Slam Buddies, um, and there's a JT Energy one. I only had ten of them made, so they're gonna be they're gonna be gone quickly. I plan to put a picture of them up because uh, I just got them on my doorstep today. But yeah support me on social media follow me whatever you can if you don't want to follow me give me a share and find someone in your life who loves professional wrestling who wants to find me but that's me that's who i am i try to put out cool stuff and if it's cool enough for you to follow i always appreciate that um but that's kind of who i am and where i'm at in life 
Fucking A, man. We're, we're going to link to all that stuff in the description box, so make sure you guys check those out. Click over, uh, DJ Click and Play, get all the socials. Uh, we're going to try to get a hold of one of those fucking, uh, those slam buddies, which, by the way, sounds like a synonym for, like, friends with benefits. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Hell that sounds yeah. fucking awesome. I cannot wait to see this thing. Um, but uh, make sure you guys get out there. Check out uh, Travis, DJ Click and Play, JT Energy, everywhere that you can get a hold of them. Again, links to all that stuff in the description box. Travis, thank you so much again for joining us on this episode. It's been really fun to just catch up with you, get to hear a little bit about what you've been up to. And and I mean it when I say, you know, your story has has inspired all of us. And uh, I hope that some of the listeners out there find some of that as well. So for the last time, thank you so much for being on. You're welcome back anytime you want to come back on and, and shoot the shit with us again. We'd love to have you. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right, folks, so that's going to wrap us up for episode 184 of the SoCo Show. Um, Links to all of our sponsors and things are in the description box, all of that great stuff. Check that stuff out like normal. We'll be back next week uh, with a more typical episode, but uh, really great to have Travis here in the studio uh, for this week. So uh, that's going to wrap us up for Travis Horn, for the bro host, Jared Buckendall, for the so host, Seth Ott. I've been the co-host, Cody Michael, and we will see you next week. Bye.